Oh, and we're live. So this is Data Science Deployed, Episode 9, and we are going to be talking about linked data. This week, it's just me, Jillian, and Donnie. And Donnie here is the, the brains behind the operation in the linked data. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, like what is linked data, how you came to know about it, why we should care about it, all that kind of thing? Give us, you know, give us the explain like I'm five intro. Give me the explain like I'm five intro. Sure, I'll, I, will, I will attempt that. Um... Yeah, uh, so linked data. So, so you know, the two components of that are linked and data. So, so data, you know, we won't, we won't get into too much, but it's essentially, um, it, it's you know, stuff that can help you <laughs> model things, you know, explain things, predict things. Um, so, uh, numbers, different data types, you know, data, and in specifically the focus here on linked data is, is is structured data. So people will talk about unstructured data, like um, documents that you might mind or something versus things that have more structure, like, uh, you know, key value pairs in, in, a, in, a, in a document or, or, or rows in a table with columns. So uh, it's more about the structured data and the linked part um, comes from uh, being able to uh, connect things through links, specifically hyperlinks. So this is this is really based on um, the the web, the World Wide Web and protocols um, like the hypertext transfer protocol, HTTP, and like where you kind of get, get a web link that you can paste in your browser browser window or or curl on the command line or something. Um, and so that's what these links are about. And so like how do you link data sets? Well, you might have like, you know, two tables. Um, and if you're familiar with, with say, um, SQL or, or something, you might have this, impl this implicit linking where you might have, you know, one table has an ID um, and another table has a, uh, you know, uh, part ID that, that implicitly, when you're looking at that as a human, you can say like, oh, okay, I think this is this should be the same thing as an ID, something in the ID column of the parts table, because it, it's it has the column part ID here, um, and so that's that's sort of a link, but it's implicit. You kind of have to read that and like and like know, I guess English in this case, or, or I mean, you, you might have like like a um, something a bit more explicit in, in SQL where you kind of have this foreign key relationship and you kind of do that link. But what linked data really says is, okay, we can have this ad hoc way of, um, you know, teaching people like what a link means or like introducing these things and call it foreign key or whatever, or we can build on top of the web and like, and just have instead of um, some string ID in that field, we can have a hyperlink, an HTTP URL as the value of that cell in that table. And like that literally will link to, to the other thing. Um, and so, we can compare them by equality and they're, they're, they're global identifiers. So we can go through the HTTP protocol, uh, HTTP colon slash slash and, and, and use the domain name system or the IP address or whatever. And we actually have a link to that other thing. And so, so linked data is fundamentally about that. It, it's about um, embedding links as the values of things in your data. So that, you know, given one data set you can find more about that data set, the, not only the values, but the terminology. So, so even, you know, uh, 
effectively um, the equivalent of column names or, or row names are themselves URLs. So like, I want to find more about what this field means. So you can, you can click on that essentially and get like, oh, this is what this is. Here's a, here's a human description of it. Here's, you know, it should be an integer, you know, it should be greater than five or, or whatever you want to do. Um, but that's sort of the fundamental idea of linked data is you have all these data sets and they actually have links in them and they're, they're, they're comprised of links. And there, there, there are some techniques about how to make things a, a bit less verbose and, and human readable and friendly where you kind of don't have to look at a bunch of long links in your entire data set. You can, you can look at, you know, uh, things that, that are, that are sh shorter and use these like little prefixes and, and that sort of thing. But fundamentally, when you look at a, a data set that's in the linked data um, format, everything, all parts of it are, are kind of a portal to the rest of the web of data. <laughs> and, and you can sort of link out to other data sets and find out more about stuff. So that, that's the fundamental idea of, of linked data. Um, again, specifically building on top of web technology, HTTP links. Yeah, I think this is all really interesting because it's this kind of, uh, you know, idea that's been spinning around for a while that uh, like data is such an integral part of software for the most part. And so if you can, you know, you have data, you need a way to describe the data. And then on top of that, you can build something like an API. And we, you know, I think more and more everybody's kind of coming to the realization that there needs to be some kind of standard there, you know, so that uh like you can actually talk to other people. It shouldn't just be a, you know, or hopefully it shouldn't just be like a subject matter expert who knows what the, you know, the materials or the genes or the proteins or whatever are, but instead you can have this kind of self-documenting data structure and, you know, and throw it out to the world. So what kind of technologies do you use to do something like, like to use this sort of linked data approach? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I use a lot of Python personally. Um, I really like this, uh, library called rdflib um, to work with this stuff. So um, stands for rdf library and rdf in turn stands for resource description framework, which is the, the data model that underlies linked data. So, um, you know, the R in, in URL is that same thing, uh, 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 uni you know, universal resource Uniform resource locator, so resources is this is this thing, um, and how you describe these different resources, um, and uh, this this library helps with that because um, you can essentially, yeah, ma manage manage data sets. If if you if if you find um, a, a an RDF file online, you can fetch it and import it into a graph. It, it uses uh, the different um, uh, things around this this ecosystem like there's a there's a nice query language um, for for querying these 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 graphs and there's a, there's a built-in um, engine in rdflib in order to do that um, there are various helpers uh, to get data in from various formats and out to various formats um, so for example dealing with JSON and, and dealing with other things um, so yeah I, I like the rdflib tool um, I also tend to store a lot of things in, in JSON, so I'll use MongoDB um, when I want to use, you know, document-oriented search for that sort of thing. Um, and uh, there's another nice library called PyLD, um, which which implements a JSON-LD processor, which is great if I have um, 
you know, a graph of linked data and I want to convert it and frame it into to documents, or if I want to, to compact things to, to not have to look at the long URLs all the time. Um, and so, yeah, I, that, that's, that's, that's a, uh, a nice library. It includes a lot of built-in um, namespaces. Um, so this is, this is the primary way by which you can communicate things like, like schema and meaning in, in RDF. So uh, unlike, um, say, SQL, where you might have like a, 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 a table um, definition with all the columns, um, you might have, um, you know, some, some URL namespace um, that has a bunch of terms in it. And so, so the, the terms are kind of the last part of the URL and RDF lib as well as other tools will have a bunch of these built-in namespaces um, that, that help you define things. So that it's, it's, it's one of the nice little, little tooling sets that I like um, for, for, for dealing with that. Cool. Well, so you're talking about linked data and I think you talked a little bit about nodes and graphs. So how does this compare to uh, graph data or I suppose specifically technologies like Neo4j, which I only sort of briefly know about because I know it's been picked up quite a bit by the bioinformatics community as a way to describe biological data. Because I know, uh, at least in biology, there's sort of always been this tug of war between the scientists and the software people where, you know, the scientists try to describe data and it's very difficult to get it to fit into sort of this like tabular relational database structure. And sort of they go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And uh, it seems like, at least for now, I think sort of describing everything is uh, graph data or maybe linked data is winning the day. So how, how do these things compare? Are they the same? How different are they? Can you kind of communicate one schema to the other or not so much? Uh, yeah, they, they, they definitely have a lot of similarities. So one of the things that, that you pointed out, um, which is great in terms of communicating with scientists, I mean, experts is, um, you know, there, there are these different levels of, of data modeling. There's being able to model something at the conceptual level and a lot of times for, for people that will take the form of, of, of graphs visually, like at the conceptual level, people might go up to a whiteboard and like start drawing, you know, circles and arrows and they'll, they'll Mind maps are my favorite way to like, <laughs> like brainstorm and brain dump it now that you bring that up. Yeah, I do think it's a very just sort of natural human way to think is to, to think in that sort of data structure. Right, and, and so, so people have this conceptual model in their head of what it looks like but then how do you actually get a computer to help you out with that and actually like represent information and uh, draw valid conclusions from the premises and, and the facts of the system? And so often your, your logical model um, will look a lot different than your conceptual model. So in, in the case of SQL, your logical model will be like, oh, we have a bunch of tables with columns and constraints on the columns. And that's, it's not, the same it doesn't look like the thing on the whiteboard <laughs> the logical model uh of, of the computation the execution looks a lot different than, than the conceptual model and then even downstream of the logical model the physical model on disk how things are stored on disk with like you know b trees and different different ways of like actually representing the tables and executing those is is is, is even even further from like this conceptual model whereas um something like like the, the, the uh, labeled property graph uh, paradigm of, of something like Neo4j or, or the semantic graph paradigm of, of things like linked data, they're, they're both more aligned with this conceptual model of, of a graph. And they actually um, help 
bridge it down. So, so like, not only is that conceptual model, but also, you know, the actual logical model, how the database is working and how things are, are physically implemented are a lot closer to the conceptual model. So that's, that's one of the advantages um, for, for both of these, these technologies is, is kind of how things are actually implemented when people need to debug how things actually look is a little bit closer to how they actually think about the problem as opposed to how, you know, someone needs to translate the computer to think about it. And, and there are a variety of reasons why, why that's, that's been, um, been better nowadays, you know, faster compute, easier storage, faster on disk stuff, but, but essentially, you know, they're, they're very good like that. Um, so that's, that's how, how they, they both contribute. Um, now, in terms of how they're different, um, the, the Neo4j, the labeled property graph model, um, it, it definitely uh, has nodes and edges and connections between them. Um, what it allows you to do is it allows you to label um, any of those things. So, it, so like a, a node in a graph, you can have arbitrary key value pairs of that node that aren't necessarily part of the graph. Like they're not, they're not edges. They're, 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 they're kind of just think like a, like a sticky note that you can hang on top of, of, of the node. And there's also like a sticky note that you can hang on top of any edge. So any, any edge between two things, you can put a sticky note and have key value pairs that are associated with that edge. Like, oh, this, this edge was created by, by Jillian on this date. You know, I have this much confidence in it. And the same thing with all the nodes. Um, and so that's, it, it, it's, it's nice conceptually for people and you can certainly navigate that um, because it, it's, it's, it goes beyond a graph a little bit. This, you sort of have your, your, maybe your graph of actual connections that you can traverse, but as you're traversing things, you can also go to each of those things and be like, well, what's on the sticky note here? Um, and so you can, you kind of store a lot of stuff. Uh, so that, that's kind of how, how that model works. Um, and there's, there's less emphasis on, um, being able to find things unambiguously and persist things. So there's not the same cultural discipline um, in that world um, on using URLs as name for things, using persistent IDs and names for things. It's, it's kind of do whatever you think is, is nice. It's almost like taking the whiteboard directly on disk and, and, and searching it. Um, with, with, with the semantic graph approach, um, you sort of, you, you don't, get these sticky notes all over because we really want it to be a graph. And that doesn't mean you can't annotate things. It's just, if you have a note, rather than having a sticky note with key value pairs, um, that, that, that would be part of your graph. So, so your key value pairs would actually be additional edges and, and the values would be, would be notes. So you'd actually be creating a more comprehensive graph and you'd be able to navigate it. Um, and so I think the, the, the power is similar in both of them. It, it's kind of, you know, do you want to have everything be in the graph or do you want to be able to have like these sticky notes all around? Um, and, and there's a lot of power in being able to like have everything in the graph um, because you sort of don't have to leap, leap out and, and sort of work in a different mode of like, oh, and I also have these various notes laying around. Um, uh, so there, there, there's, there's strengths and advantages. And I think also these, these worlds are, are, are converging a little bit. So there's, there's the standard called RDF star, which, 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 um, kind of extends the semantic model a little bit to make it a little bit more 
syntactically easier for people to do the equivalent of these sticky notes, but still have them be part of the graph. And I know things like Neo4j allow import of RDF. And so these kinds of things are, are, are converging a little bit. But I think the fundamental difference is that uh, with the semantic graph, you, you, you want everything to be in the graph and you want everything to, to mean something definite in order to facilitate uh, data integration. You really want to be able to have everything as, as graphs so that you can take a couple of graphs that other people have, have developed and sort of merge them together by like linking them like Legos. If these two nodes have the same URL, then they, they're the same thing. And then and their edges can be, you know, edges of the new graph. Um, whereas if you have this kind of graph with like sticky notes laid on top, you're kind of like, well, I don't know if I'm talking about the same thing here. Um, so if you have, if you have a closed world and you don't expect to, you know, pull in any data from someone who you weren't a priori collaborating with or, agreeing on terms with, um, you know, something like a labeled property graph might be fine. Um, but, it, but if you really care about what things mean and what consistent meaning across, uh, you know, a large organization with many business units or, or kind of a, a scientific field with lots of people who aren't necessarily collaborating, they're at different universities, they have different setups, but they kind of, kind of want to be able to peer review each other's things and then be able to reproduce and, and reuse each other's work in meaningful ways without um, too much human intervention, um, then I think, you know, semantic graphs are, are, are you, you kind of, I think the, the phrase by Jim Hendler from a while back was a little semantics goes a long way. Um, just the, the idea that if you put in a bit more discipline in um, having persistent URLs for things, um, then you can, you can go a lot farther and you might not have as much initial velocity as you do with with the property graph, I think Neo4j is great um, when you kind of want to get an app out and have it a database that supports it and have it out in a couple months. Um, but if you if you want something that uh, you can kind of build on, and which which I see a lot in, in the work that I do with with scientists and academia and government, um, you know, funding agencies want things that are going to be infrastructure essentially then uh, there's, there's a bit more of an attraction towards this, this semantic approach. Uh, but again, lots of simul sim sim uh, similarities and uh, they, they both kind of- I like the idea of uh, keeping it in my head as a sticky note because then I sort of, in, in my head, I made this analogy of, you know, having a comment in my code of like, ah, eh, this is kind of what it does versus having like a test or an explicit, uh, you know, mm -hmm. like assert functions or something like that. Whereas, you know, one is, a bit hand wavy and a bit how I'm feeling that day. And the other one is like, no, this is explicitly how it works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, th there are certainly ways of just adding notes um, in, in, uh, in, in semantic graphs, you know, you, you could certainly add, add labels and, and comments to things, um, but they're, 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 again, they're, they're, they're part of the graph and they can be, you know, rather than kind of, kind of being like a, almost second class, or I, I, I don't I don't know how to how really put it, but, but something that's, that's not quite part of your graph analysis. Yeah. Cool, so where is, uh, you know, like where's linked data and the RDF and all this kind of thing being used? Are there any projects where it's sort of really taken off or, um, yeah, actually that's it. Are there any projects where it's really taken off and it's kind of, you know, saved the day? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I, I think think one of the, one of the big um, 
the big projects that a lot of people talk about use an example is um, uh, the, the Google knowledge graph um, project. So um, there is like a, a large database um, um, that, that they bought a while ago um, that, the, what, that used this semantic linked data technology. Um, and they've, they've essentially used that and started in 2012, but it's, it's since been getting steam. But essentially, rather than um, on Google, when you, when you search for something, rather than only returning a, a sea of links, um, uh, because uh, Google has this, this semantic graph of, of things and what they, what they mean, um, uh, it's able to give you information boxes and, and, and contextual results. So you might um, you know, have a Google search and not just see a sea of links, but you might see an actual answer um, for something, or you might see a box on the side when you search for a certain person or thing, and it, it kind of assembles a bunch of facts about that thing um, person, place, or thing on the side. And so you, you, you know, you won't, you won't necessarily have to click through, um, to a page because rather than, um, the prior focus of being a web of documents, um, now, because, you know, Google's built this, this semantic graph and, and they have this web of data, they're able to kind of, you know, given some con contextual clues, you know, of, of, your, of your search, they're able to pull from all this data and put together in, in in, in, you know, for for you this this amalgam this structure of data um, that that might be helpful to you, and it has been helpful for, for, to me. And, and part of that is is because the data isn't necessarily pre-structured. It's it's kind of in this like this the smallest possible unit of, of these triples of, of, of you know statement, subject, predicate, object, um, and those can be assembled. Uh, and so yeah, the, the Google uh, search is, is is powered by this 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 technology. Um, other things, uh, like, um, the Facebook's open social graph and, uh, and LinkedIn's connections, these, these things are, 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 you know, powered in large part by, uh, by semantic technologies. Um, uh, and, and so, so that, 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 that's, that's kind of been a big thing. Um, and, and a lot of, uh, uh let, 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 let's see, um, in terms of, of an open thing that, that people can look at, um, uh, so we, we know about the Wiki, Wikipedia project that's kind of people compiling documents and stuff. Um, so there's also been a project called DBpedia that kind of extracts all of the stuff on the info boxes on, on the on the sides of Wikipedia pages, all that all that structured data, um, and makes that available. And so a lot of projects have, have been using that, and um, a lot of companies will use that to like generate machine learning models because you kind of have this large corpus of data that's actually structured um, apart from doing natural language processing on, on, on the main the main thing. Um, uh, Wikimedia, the, the, the parent of Wikipedia, has also started this project called Wikidata um, that that has is essentially this. It's, it's a large semantic graph where anyone can con contribute just like they contribute to um, uh, Wikipedia. And I think it's sort of in a similar stage, maybe in some circles as, as to what Wikipedia was when it first came out. It's sort of like, well, can we trust this? Like anyone can edit it, who knows? Whereas like now I think just because it's the, it's the thing that so many people have contributed to and there are a lot, a lot of eyes on it, um, makes all bugs shallow, so to speak. Uh, people use it as, as, as an authoritative source a lot of times or, or to be really informative as, as sort of a first step 
of their primary research. And I think that's probably where Wikidata is, is, is heading, um, where you know you can do these these search Sparkle query on top of the Wiki, Wiki database, and um, and do a lot of things based on that. Um, so I, I I know there are a lot of projects in, in pharmaceuticals and in, in finance, um, different industries that are they're using this this technology essentially in order to to get a lot of these open data sets. Um, that are that are published in the so-called linked open data cloud. Um, so that, that that's a term one can search for and, and see, you know, uh, linked data sets that are that are open. Um, uh, and yeah, a lot of a lot of people are using that. So I, I think think one thing to 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 note is that linked data doesn't necessarily mean mean open. It just means that it's it's using web technologies to link things. So just like like a company can have an internal uh, intranet. And, and use use authentication have like behind their firewall they still you know use browsers and web servers to like get real work done but that doesn't necessarily mean anyone on the internet can access it i think the same goes for linked data where there's this real um, advantage that a lot of companies see and have used it again with you know the, the google knowledge graph isn't open but it, it's it's um it's very helpful for them the same thing with the linkedin graph and facebook graph um uh, but Building on top of web technologies, they're able to, uh, you know, get a lot of value and, and integrate a lot of disparate data sets. And as they get they get new things coming in, they're able to, to, to integrate it again using using web technology. I think that's the, the key is that you're able to abstract, um, uh, you're able to get away from any parochialisms of any individual thing. So rather than having your whole knowledge structure be based on Python classes or Java classes. And, and so, it, oh, someone's using a different programming language, forget it, you know, because they're using URLs, that's sort of like the lingua franca um, of, of being able to kind of exchange data and information and meaning, um, because any library has, uh, can speak HTTP, can get a URL, can get a response, um, can interpret a link. So do you have yeah. uh, these technologies, you know, like what you have now with the open API spec that I'm like, you know, always talking about and following and on where with the open API spec, it has this series of generators. So like, I don't even really know that much, like what is in the original open API spec. What I care about is that then I can compile it or generate it or whatever it's called down to Python. And it generates like, you know, the classes and the typing and the documentation. It'll even generate some tests and things for me. Is there anything like that with linked data so far? Or is that still kind of coming on? Uh, yeah, yeah, there is. So th there have been a couple of standards um, uh, that that have that have helped with that stuff in in, in building on top of it. it, it essentially, um, uh, vocabulary. So so at a given URL, you know, you might have a list of terms that are kind of like the last parts of the paths of that URL, and that that, that kind of defines a certain set and um, yeah, people have worked on things. So for, for one, there's uh, this this standard called Shackle, which is uh, stands for Shapes Constraint Language, and that's 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 a a URL, and there there are certain terms within Shackle, and that's that's something equivalent to um, being able to close off a data set like with JSON schema or, or or SQL, where you can have these 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 shapes of of subgraphs and say like, okay, this this thing. I want you to validate this data and, and come and see, like, is this something that has these properties where this property fits this regular expression and this is a 
positive integer and this see so you're kind of like seeing if it if it, if it fits this this constraint um and so often uh if, if, if things do fit that constraint and they validate it then uh, there are also tools and, and libraries that will will generate say forms and and and, uh, and, and display it so you can display a website uh generate html of your of your data that essentially well if, if it's if it's an enumerated value and you want to enter that it'll it'll generate a drop down form if it's a number it'll use an html input number form if it's a password it'll use the password thing so you don't see it when you type into it so you can do these things like html form generation uh you know based on on the, this, this shackle language um uh again that is if, very yeah, Every it, time it, I go to do anything in HTML, I'm like, why doesn't this already exist? Like, why why do I have to build like a web page ever? Why isn't it just you know? Uh, I know it's still easy for me to say that from my point of view of like I don't do any web technology. Why aren't you people doing it so much better? Um, but you know, like, yeah, I do always kind of wonder why isn't it you know why isn't it already like this? Uh, why do you have to like you know build out your HTML forms for? absolutely everything it seems like if you already have a documented data structure so that's nice i'm glad to know that i will have to go look into it for that very reason yeah and the, the thing is i mean th there have been lots of solutions about that in, in different domains for, for for many years like 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 for example like i know in, in the if, if you use python and use the django web framework there are these these django forms that again like based on writing python code python classes it can generate those forms for you if you're in the Ruby world, you know, there's Ruby on Rails where if, if you write Ruby code in that framework, you know, it will generate the HTML forms for you. But again, it's all sort of in, in your individual little things and in your individual language. Whereas the idea of, of linked data is, is just, you have URLs and you can use this, the shapes constraint language based on your data. And, and the hope is, you know, there can be an adapter for Ruby or Python or Java or Go or anything else, because you're kind of using this, this, this lingua franca. Um, and, and yeah, so, so shackle is one example and there's, there are a couple of other vocabularies that is, there's one called RDFS, which is very foundational R RDF schema. Um, and it allows you to yeah do that sort of thing. Um, there's, there's owl, which is the web ontology language, but it gets easier to say owl rather than wall, but web ontology language. Um, and then one tool I've, I've been uh, using for that, which is nice if you have, um, an ontology um, that kind of describes all of your terms and what what they mean. Um, uh, there's a, there's a tool called LODE. Um, uh, gosh, I forget what it stands for. But there's also a Python version, PyLoad, and essentially, given an ontology, it will generate a nice shiny HTML page for you that has colors and, and it like like it documents everything, so you don't have to write up that part. I guess it, it's similar in, in in code if you if you kind of have um, something that will auto-generate documentation from your Python doc strings or something like that. Um, so yeah, th there's a bunch of tooling about, you know, given given this this discipline of, I, I've used these URLs from these namespaces, like, oh, I'm, I'm using Shackle URLs. I'm not just saying, I'm not inventing my own URL to say like, oh, this this should fit this, re this regex, this field should fit this regex. I'm, I'm using the, from the Shackle namespace, from, from that URL, from that w3c.org, you know, URL, that sense of regex and, and a shackle processor program will know what to do with that. An owl processor will know what to do with that. So, so that, that's, that's sort of the nice thing about that is um, you, you can kind of have this decoupling of people 
setting URLs and other people generating tools around them that assume those exact concepts by those exact names. Um, so yeah, yeah, there, there are a few nice things about that in terms of validation and, and, and data definition uh, ecosystem. That is very interesting. So tell me more about this project. Um, the one that I put it in the comments that I'm not totally sure where and how they show up, but I will also put it in the show notes. The, you know, so you have a GitHub project that's the intro to LinkedIn data with MongoDB and Python, and then you also have um, a YouTube playlist with a with a course that you created. What was kind of the um, inspiration or motivation behind you know behind going through and creating this? Yeah, so uh, that that links data course. Um, I, I guess I wanted to to, to bring it down in an accessible way um, to people who have maybe heard about it, maybe not, um, who are familiar with, with Python in this case, um, and to, who, who, who want to know about, about this technique or are curious about it, um, uh, about managing data, particularly researchers who, who, who want to uh, share data and not have to have everyone come back to them and ask them how to interpret it and to not worry about whether people will reuse it um, because they, they just don't understand the data. And so, so how can you possibly, um, uh, you know, include context with data? And, and I kind of wanted to, to emphasize that for people who are familiar with Python and who are familiar with, with JSON and doing things programmatically. Um, but how can you... Uh, leverage this self-descriptive uh, approach to data and um, and be able to publish data that, that again, is, is maybe more amenable to to machine learning or analysis or other people, other people reusing it because they can more readily understand what it means unambiguously without you having to write up a readme file and someone having to understand it and emailing you about it. And, and these, these, the readme gets separated from the data. And, and so, um, so if you publish something on, on Zenodo or, or, or Figshare or something as like a you know a JSON dump, it should it should kind of have everything that you need, and and ideally it interoperates with other things. If people are getting your data and they're getting data from a few other sources, they sort of don't want to do any special work on interpreting your data and and like munging it into you know format that they can actually use. Um, and I, I I wanted to show that uh, it's 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 uh, the ability to do this is, is closer than a lot of people realize. I, I think that a lot of the the documentation of of linked data and semantic web, you know, things can appear a little intimidating. They're they're very you know long specifications, um, and uh, you know the thing that I love about um, linked data. Uh, just in, in terms of research is, is, is about thinking big in terms of how, how knowledge can be integrated and interoperated and we can progress, you know, uh, through, through science and research and, and knowledge acquisition, um, without having to redo all these costly experiments. Um, and so what I like about it is, is there's a sense of thinking big and not being afraid to think big. Um, but I, I do believe that you, you cannot only think big, but you can start small. You don't have to boil the ocean while you're doing it. And so that's that's really why what I wanted to emphasize with this course. I wanted to 
have like a very small data set and be able to say, look, there's, there are these Python tools you can use today. You know, I'm gonna walk through in a notebook with you. I'm not gonna, you know, um, you know, give you PowerPoint slides or just talk at you and pretend like like it's fine. But then when you go and do it yourself, you're like, oh gosh, this is like a lot harder than than I thought it would be. So you actually see me walking through a notebook and in and, and the GitHub repo, I have like the dependencies, you can pip install things. Um, and you can actually see the workflow of, of working with linked data and me explaining what it is, what we're looking at and how to get it particularly into a form that you're maybe more comfortable with. So if you encounter this linked data in the, in the wild and you want to you know, reuse it and support it because it, it supports all these nice semantics, so you can actually understand it. But your workflow is like, I need this as JSON. <laughs> um, and, 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 like, and then it all breaks down. Right. And so, and so I kind of wanted to show that like exactly how to do that. So to sort of take a linked data source, a published linked data source from um, Nobelprize.org publishes all their, their data as linked data and how to, you know, get a JSON collection from that using Python tools and, and use, you know, uh, a technology you might use in a web app like MongoDB. Um, and because if you're more, if you're more used to like kind of a document centric, centric search where I have a collection of JSON documents, similar to SQL, you know, I, I have a, a, you know, a, a, a bunch of tape, a bunch of rows of, of tables like that. That's what I understand versus like a graph. How do I do a graph search? I, I don't know. And so you can take that graph and you can you can frame subsets of that graph and and uh, subgraphs essentially and, and frame them as documents. And that kind of works for you. And now you have your your you're in document land and you can you can do things as before. Um, and I don't go over, over the reverse, but it, it, the, the the tools are the same. Where instead of framing something, you can have documents and you can flatten them. So instead of there being there being their hierarchical form, you flatten them into into just the triples of the graph, and you can put them directly back in the graph. And um, and I, I just I, I wanted people to see that 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 was accessible to them if they if they know some Python if they understand JSON. Um, so there, there are six lessons. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, under two hours. I wanted things to be even shorter, but I figured it, it's fine. I kind of, uh, you know, drone on for a little bit and, um, you know, try, try to, try to explain things as I'm going. And so I, I just I'm hope this will be, on, it's giving context, right? Giving context. And, and so I just hope that it'll be helpful for people to dip their toes, uh, into this field and to feel like it's a bit more accessible to them. And it, it might have some, some benefits for them for, for the longevity of their data. So especially people who are publishing data and like maybe doing dissertations or doing research and want their data to be used and contribute to, you know, humanity's global growing knowledge base, um, that this that they're, they're publishing in a way that, you know, that someone can discover this years from now, or maybe the, themselves years from now, and be like, you know, I wanna build on work that I did, like, oh, I already did this. I, and, and be able to, to repick it up easily because you've left yourself all of these, these nice breadcrumbs. Um, yeah. So that, 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 that's kind of the idea of the course is to kind of get, get people um, feeling okay about it and feeling like it might not be as hard if they had heard about it or if they hadn't heard about it just to discover something, something interesting about using the web for representing data because people already know, okay, I, web for documents, web apps, but like how, you know, there's, there's the web and there's my data. Now those are separate things. And, and, and I'm trying to um, help people understand that, um, 
you know, just like the web can help us distribute documents all across the world to people and like, or, or just media of any type, you know, streaming video, audio, like we can do that with data too, over the web, using web technology. Um, and, uh, and it can be done, it, it, it can be, it can be very helpful, um, for, uh, collectively us being able to solve world problems, um, together as researchers or, or in large organizations where you kind of, how do you talk to people? Yeah, I think, I don't know, this is just such an interesting use case to me because the, to me, the most interesting problems aren't so much the tech problems, they're the people problems. How do we communicate with one another? How do we make sure everybody's kind of on the same page? How do we, you know, create these standards that can make it, you know, so that everybody can get along and have, you know, at least a, a basis for talking to each other. So, uh, so I really like it when these kind of tools come up. Are you using it on any projects currently that you can talk about or, or not so much right now? Um, I can talk about a, a little bit. Um, so, I mean, like one kind of open project that I'm working on is, 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 uh, this this working group uh an organization i'm with called the materials research data alliance and um we're trying to build a tutorial for to help research researchers in material science uh, be able to publish data as linked data essentially to to increase interoperability among data sets um so to to kind of reduce the amount of time that people spend finding accessing making interoperable and reusing um other people's data, which is which is kind of par for the course in, in in research. You know, you often if you want to publish something novel, you need to demonstrate that it's it's different than what's come before. And, and you know, a reviewer might say like, well, this seems very similar to this, or like, how does it compare to that? And so you often need to um, figure out what's similar semantically to what you're proposing. And if there are any previous data sets, you kind of want to get those and compare them and plot against them and benchmark them. So you want to work with this old data. Um, and the the data sets that tend to be used and cited for these sorts of things tend to be the ones that are that are easy to reuse, easier to reuse, um, because people have limited time. And so I feel like, um, you know, researchers are a bit more likely to be to be cited and to have an impact in their career if, if they, they kind of make their 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 published data machine actionable in this way. Um, and so I, I have a lot of experience with the material science community. And so I've been working with them to, to, to publish um, a few data sets um, as this. Um, uh, apart from that, uh, yeah, I guess there's something that I guess I shouldn't talk about it um, yet, but um, a, a large federal agency that we've all heard of um, ha has an interest in um, uh, connecting uh, researchers across the domain and, and not only um, the different researchers, but but their interests and what they're what they're what they're they're appropriate at, and what they're what they're competent at, what they're good at, um, essentially in order to, to foster collaboration and, and progress. So so you might have someone in the in the building next to you, or or in, or in another site of the same federal organization that is 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 an expert at this one measurement technique, um, but you don't know that, um, but but you need that measurement to be done, and and so. To have this like semantic graph that has where the asset, the digital assets are not just data sets, but they're also people and skill sets, institutions. I guess this is similar to the LinkedIn use case, where with <laughs> LinkedIn is sort of a commercial way of like you know you'll have people and they'll have skills and you'll have endorsements for skills, and this is how um, 
you know, recruiters can, can kind of find people that they think they're really like. pushing that lately. Have you noticed? Like they keep yeah. getting emails, yeah. Oh, take our certification so that you can right. have this badge and like this thing. And I'm like, I don't even right. do that thing. I don't, I don't want a badge in that. Like, even if I was going to get a badge, I don't right. want it in this thing that you're telling me I should get it in. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's, uh, that's really so, interesting. So I guess in, in, a, in, a, in a small sense, it'd be, it'd be creating an internal LinkedIn for this, for this federal organization to help people connect internally to each other. Um, and not have to go to LinkedIn to do that <laughs> they can, because they have access to more privileged, uh, um, you know, security clearance information. But, uh, you know, um, that, 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 that kind of use case. Um, so that's, that's another thing. And um, yeah. And then, and then another thing, I, I guess I shouldn't talk about it too much. It's, it's, I, I can talk about it. Oh, remember, this is live. You don't want to get yourself in trouble. No, no, no. I, it's just something I'm, I'm excited about. So it, it, it's R&D, um, but I'm working on this um, this, this, this microbiome, uh, open microbiome collaborative project. And um, I've been helping people with the infrastructure with that. And I've been to sort of get people up and started. Um, uh, I've been using MongoDB for a lot of the back end for the, for the data. Um, and there is a semantic basis, a linked data basis behind a lot of this stuff, but we really aren't, aren't exploiting that. Um, so we have a lot of nice ontologists on the team and in a schema, um, but we sort of aren't really using uh, a linked data approach to the actual publishing. And I'm excited about getting to that either either with Mongo and, and JSON LD, or there's this other technology that I'm, I'm excited about called, uh, called Terminus DB. It's an open source um, uh, graph database that uses linked data technology under the hood um, and um, I, I think can be helpful with this sort of thing about collaborating on data. Um, and uh, again, because we're sort of aggregating lots of different data sets created by, created by lots of different researchers and essentially trying to provide a, a U.S. national resource where people don't have to apply for grant funding to do the same experiments over and over again. They can see like, oh, this has already been done. I can actually reuse this stuff. Um, I can pull in, um, you know, data across different domains that I might not necessarily be an expert in. I might not necessarily be an expert in um, proteomics or, or um, uh, metabolomics, you know, the different, um, you know, catalysis activity across organisms. I might be, I might just be a, a metagenome person. I, I know about genomics and sequencers, but I don't know about protein activity, but I can access this other data and cross-reference it with with you know my microbiome and to learn about uh, uh, what activity is happening here that its implications for human health and that sort of thing. Um, so really, just a, a giant data integration and metadata integration project, metadata enrichment project. That I think um, semantic graph approach is really I, I can't see another another way um, to do it um, that that makes sense to me. Um, and I think think the tools are are kind of ready for that sort of thing to happen. And so I'm, I've sort of been pushing for that. Um, so that's another thing I'm working on. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm That'll very- That'll be really neat. That's right up about, my alley. I'm gonna follow that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful about the future of this stuff. You know, it's sort of similar to uh, artificial intelligence had had kind of uh, like, like like a hype cycle for, for a while, um, you know, and, and then there was the so-called AI winter when it kind of fell short of its promises. And that's because you know computation and the techniques weren't, weren't quite there yet. But now it's sort of had a resurgence with with deep deep learning and and, and those sorts of things. And it's it's maybe people are thinking it's maybe a little bit too hyped again. 
but it's definitely had a resurgence because um, different technologies and infrastructure have come together to make it actually um, really strong in a lot of applications. And I think there's a similar thing for linked data. So a lot of the excitement um, about it, there was an original uh, Scientific American article in 2000 with Tim Berners-Lee and uh, Orla Sila and Jim Hendler. And, and there's a lot of promise about it and scans were developed. And I, I think there was maybe an initial hype cycle and people got a little bit, a little bit disillusioned with it. Um, but, you know, since then, you know, standards have, um, have come into play and things have gotten a bit more mature. Um, schema.org has, has come into play. Um, that's, that's a big application of linked data where lots of web people are marking up their web pages specifically because they want to get better Google results. So they're, they're using a lot of linked data from the schema.org vocabulary. And that's just a vocabulary, just like OWL is a vocabulary, RDFS, Shackle that I mentioned. Schema.org is just another domain that has a bunch of URLs that, that mean things. And so people have done a lot of great stuff with that. And uh, new standards have come out um, in the last few years about, as I mentioned, JSON-LD and about Shackle. Um, validation was missing for a while. So I, I feel like there's some maturity that's coming back to this linked data landscape, um, in part because of the success of of, of large companies using the technology like like Google and uh, Microsoft through LinkedIn and, and uh, Amazon as well, I, I forgot to mention, but they, they definitely use a lot of semantic technology under the hood. Um, they've actually recently um, commercialized, they, they, they bought a big uh, uh, semantic web company and, and released the, the Apache Neptune graph database that again, allows you to uh, query uh, semantic graphs using Sparkle, and they also allow linked property graphs. So again, there, there's been a big resurgence um, in this sort of technology um, and infrastructure, and I, I think I think I think things good things are happening. <laughs> and I'm excited to be to be involved. I think good things are happening too, and uh, you know, just to go back to a point you were talking about a little while ago, I think it's so important to you know, to support research and making sure that we're doing as much as we can to make sure that the research is accessible and reproducible. And a big part of that is being able to publish your data. So, you know, I think that's also a really important point for people to consider as well, which I know it used to be so, so difficult, if nothing else, just simply because of storage. Like, where were you going to store this data and put it and make it publicly accessible? Um, I think we've kind of gotten over that hurdle a lot for the most part. Storage is pretty cheap these days, but now we have, you know, this sort of additional layer of, well, how do we make the data accessible to people? And yeah, and I really like this idea of, you know, having these different um, vocabularies and semantic graphs and things. So that's really neat. Did you have any kind of anything else you wanted to bring up about the project before we before we call it time? Uh, I guess I'll just say that it's it's openly available. I guess it'll be in, in the show notes. Um, intro to linked data um, with Python and uh, there, there, there are six episodes and there's a link to YouTube playlist. And um, I encourage you all, li dear listener, um, to, to, to watch um, and to send me any feedback. This is kind of the first iteration of the course. I'd love any feedback on it. And I'd be interested to hear how, how you're using linked data um, as, as a data scientist. Um, and uh, yeah, just, just how, how things are going with that. So. The, just want to emphasize that it's it's completely free, um, as in as in speech and as in beer. Um, so enjoy the course. Um, yeah, thank you. Cool, great. I was thinking we should do uh, a quick, you know, like blurb about any cool projects we're working on, and to keep 
you know, keep an eye out for. And then I keep forgetting to talk about it. And I feel like I'm putting you guys on the spot. But, um, you know, what the hell, since I keep forgetting about it and here we are, do you have any other cool projects to talk about? Or, you know, do we, did we already go over all of them? Oh, um, well, I mean, I guess there, there are a couple of, of, of projects I have, um, but I don't, I don't know if they're, they're at the stage to be talked about, but one of the things that's specifically related to linked data is I think still a lot of people have, have trouble with um, uh, just actually minting URLs and hosting things. And you mentioned, you know, data sets, it's easier to sort of publish things to, to public archives and a lot of um, you know, people have that. But I think similar to the way that, um, you know, a lot of people just, just with the, the document web, you know, pe people generally, um, there's this whole ecosystem around, you can go to places like, I don't know, Squarespace or they're, they're, they're or the original kind of was GoDaddy where you can kind of get a domain name, you know, get, get your, get your domain up. And there, there, there are various ways of doing that. And a lot of people now might do things like uh, LinkedIn pages or, or, or Facebook pages. And that's how they kind of get their content uh, on the web. And so I think still people are, are there's not quite a, a nice go-to this particular among all domains for how to like get your linked data up on the web. And if you have terminology, a, a data dictionary of terms that you want, how do you get URLs for those terms and, and host them stably? And I think that's, that's not a solved problem. And so I, I've, I've been working on a project um, to kind of help with that, um, to kind of, you know, help people mint their URLs and, and store them persistently. Um, and just as a project, I'll give a shout out to the, the ARC project. Um, ARK stands for Archival Resource Key. Um, it's a nice protocol and, and specification for um, separating um, what they term name assigning authorities and name mapping authorities. So to have like a, a culture ins institution be able to have like a unique ID similar to, to like a, a DOI prefix where they're able to assign their names, but they're actually able to delegate to a, another organization, a service organization, just like someone can host your website. Um, to someone to actually host host the names and actually map the names and make them resolvable as URLs. So this this ARC specification is kind of nice for that that kind of thing. Um, I really like like, like that project and, and the, the sort of the big uh, example of that project uh, homepage for it is uh, a name to thing. So if you go to n2t.net name to thing or, or just look up ARCs ARK archival resource key, you'll find more more about this this protocol and ecosystem about you know, helping people to give names to things and helping them to be hosted persistently um, without them necessarily having to have the resources to do that and then being able to dispatch, you know, just again, just like you have your website maybe hosted on AWS instead of, you know, a, a box under your under your desk. Uh, again, you know, you can be responsible for, for, for naming things, but not necessarily name mapping and, and making things persistent on the web as part of a linked data web. So, yeah, that, that's another project I'll call out, call out to. Cool. Well, we'll be sure to link to ARCs and what was the other one? Uh, I guess ARCs and, and I guess the, the project would be uh, uh, N2T, name, name to thing. Um, it's kind of an example of. of, uh, of okay. Okay. Yeah. So we'll be sure to link to those in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Great. Right, cool. Uh, 
All right. Well, I think uh, yeah, I think we're all done for the week. So we're going to be taking a break for Christmas, and because Donnie's having a baby, and I'm very excited about Baby Watch. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think we'll probably be back sometime around the new year, or maybe a little bit later, depending on where we're all at. So uh, bye bye. Talk to you next year. Bye.